Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today, I have the privilege of having Jeff Peters on the program. Jeff is the Global Chief Marketing Officer for Operation Mobilization and author of the brand new book titled, The Family Business. It's a parable about stepping into the life you were made for. Now, I love this title. It's loaded with purpose for powerful living. So it's gonna be a good discussion today. So Jeff, welcome to the program. Jonathan, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. You know, as I'm getting more and more connected with Scatter Global, Operation Mobilization, I keep meeting new people with really fascinating insights into all manner of kingdom topics. And I was particularly interested in talking with you as the title of your new book really resonates. You know, you're diving into real core concepts in your book around co-laboring, co-laboring with God that are closely aligned with what I put forward in my book titled Managing Your Metron. So it's exciting stuff. It's neat to meet somebody working and writing and teaching in that same space. And so I'm excited to learn more about you. And so, Jeff, tell us a bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. Well, I guess it depends on how far back you want to go. But for me, uh, <laughs> I've been serving with Operation Mobilization for almost five years now. Previous okay. to that, uh, I was with different ministries, uh, Compassion International, uh, David C. Coke and Integrity Music for a short period of time as well. Uh, and prior to all that, I was, I was a local church pastor. Okay. Uh, so it's been quite uh, a journey on the professional side. Um, probably the biggest news, of course, is about five years ago, uh, I uh, married my wife and uh, okay. we've since then uh, had a couple kids. kids, uh, the most recent addition uh, about three and a half weeks ago today. So okay. <laughs> um, our my, my life is speckled with a, a new book and new baby uh, with sort of dueling release dates in the early part of October. But oh, wow. uh, it is all part of the chaos that... Uh, that uh, lends itself to a beautiful life the way that the way that God wires things together. So yeah, just great. Excited to be talking to you today. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've, I've been increasingly fascinated as I talk to people along this journey on the concepts of managing your Metron and some of the topics we're, we're discussing in the lead up to our upcoming conference, the Discover Global Conference, just some great things are being unpacked. And I saw that in your background a little bit, you even have some connection with uh, Fuller. Are you helping with some program out there still? Is that relevant? Yeah, absolutely. So Fuller Seminary, uh, one of their professors, Dr. Patrick Oden, he uh, uh, he and I sort of co-created an e-learning course okay. titled 
uh, live the life you were made for. And it's born out of a bunch of research uh, that I'm, I'm happy to get into if you'd like, but it's a bunch of research that OM we've done with, in seven countries around the world, trying to figure out what do we as Christians understand about the Great Commission and our role okay. inside of it and as a part of it, a co-laboring with God, to use the phrase that you just used. And so we developed that course because what we discovered was there's a lot of Christians out there that don't fully understand that when you said yes to Christ, you started as a part of his mission in the world. That was the opt-in moment. Right. There's no waiting for your calling to still come. It's not an if question. It's a how question. How have you been shaped? How are you supposed to live out this calling? Not if, and maybe I'm not supposed to be part of it. So the coursework that we developed with Fuller is a, it's a 12 unit course that really allows people to get a deeper dive understanding of what God's mission is, get a deeper dive understanding of how he has uniquely shaped and formed you as an individual. And then step three is now that you know what his mission is and how he shaped you, how are you going to put it together and making right. your own personal plan? So it's an e-learning course as part of the Fuller Formation series. Uh, people can find it online uh, there as well. Um, and it, it was just an awesome experience uh, to be able to put that together and do such a deep dive with a group with a group like Fuller. That's fantastic. You know, I reminds me of um, some of the N.T. Wright quotes that I had in my book regarding, you know, that we're not just saved from something, we're saved to something. So we're saved, you know, from our sin, sanctified, set apart, you know, redeemed, but it's unto something. It's for a purpose. And I got that feel from what you were talking about and writing in some of your work. And I, you know, I hear that in the heart of your course that you're doing there with, with Fuller as well. And I think that's really healthy. I think that's kind of gets the cork out of the bottle for people in a lot of ways, because their salvation experience tends to often be uh, put in the context of uh, that it's all about them and it's all about what's happening inside of them. And then you're just killing some time here for a while versus you're actually saved unto something into a co-laboring role with God in his kingdom. And that gets me lit up because that's where we discover the purpose, right? That's where the purpose and the passion comes out of people. We begin to see meaning. We, give, we begin to see hope expressed to the world around us through what God's put inside of us. And uh, that Absolutely. to me really, really lights me up. So, you know, we're in a bit of a moment, I think, in spiritual history globally and just where things are at. It's been a really obviously difficult couple of years here with the COVID crisis. And, you know, we're facing all kinds of challenges in this moment. And your book seems to, and your work at large with the course and everything seems to be pretty timely. So how are you uh, seeing this concept of the family business and this whole co-laboring idea land in the body of Christ. Is that something that's being, um, is it landing solidly? Is it resonating well? Uh, how does it even play overseas versus in the US? Like, is there a different responsiveness to the message? Yeah, it's a great question. We, the research we've done, and so you can actually, we put all the research up online for free for anybody okay. to look at as you like. If you're a research geek like me, you're going to love that stuff. Uh, if you're not such a research geek, you're going to maybe check out the executive summary and be done. <laughs> but at uh, missiongap.org, okay. so missiongap.org is the website where all of this research is. But yeah, over the past several years, we went to seven different countries of the world, sat down 
through professionally moderated focus groups with with Bible-believing Jesus followers and asked one simple question. We said, if, if God's mission is the product and Christians are the audience, then what's the best way to get our audience to engage the product? Just, it's a similar way of coming at it as if it's Coke trying to figure out a new beverage choice or Starbucks trying to figure out, you know, what type of mocha, whatever you want, they want <laughs> yeah, to <right. laughs> carve up in the next season. Right. I mean, it's a matter of going to the audience and figuring out how do we get you to respond to this invitation? And what we discovered through that process is that there is, there is not a solid understanding in the body of Christ globally about what it means to be a Jesus follower. Okay. Uh, and more specifically, we heard direct quotes from, as an example, Christians in Brazil. One woman said, when we talked about God's mission and her engagement in God's mission, she said, no, no, I'm not a part of God's mission. I'm just a Christian. Hmm. That's for full-time pastors or full-time missionaries or these like super right. Christians. I'm just a regular Christian as if there's some kind of division. And I, I picked on Brazil with the example, but we actually heard that in multiple places. Sure. We also heard from a, from a theological perspective, this notion that um, so many Christians believe that when I finally did a short-term missions experience like that was the pinnacle <laughs> of my mission involvement i finally did a short-term mission project right and those of us within the missions world will say actually that was just to get your toe in the water and to let you have the experience of living out god's love in a new place and and really being his hands and feet in the world but for these folks um oftentimes it's no that was it now i go back to my normal job to my normal workplace right. back to my normal school uh, and this sacred secular divide is alive and well. Um, so it's we have a lot of hurdles that we need to uh, to cross over theologically right. uh, as far as the education goes for what Christians do and don't know that will lead them to a lifestyle of living missionally wherever they are. And that's that's really a lot of what we unpacked through the research. I'll tell you one, one quick story. Sure. And this is just from, from me as the marketing guy, right? I'm a, <laughs> I serve as a market. Marketing has been my background forever. And so one of the things we were testing in all this research was the messaging, like what's the right messaging to use to actually inspire Christians. And one of the things we learned is that it's interestingly enough, there's one type of messaging, one way of talking, which is sort of this, when you talk about God's mission to talk about you know, crossing every mountain and, you know, nothing's going to hold us back and we're going to forge over every river and we will conquer everything for the sake of Christ. That sort of onward Christian soldier's message resonated really, really well in Ghana. Hmm. Ghanaian Christians, I thought they were ready to run out of the focus group room and start evangelizing <laughs> in the street. We used that same message and tested it with Christians in Hong Kong. Two separate focus groups told us that messaging style was offensive. Right. So, so even the way that we share about God's mission, even the way that we try to inspire more Jesus followers for this work, um, needs to take into consideration the people and the context they're coming from. And, and 
we can't just assume that because you're a Jesus follower, you see the world exactly the way that I do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that I imagine that all of those focus groups or discussions probably lacked a comprehension or an understanding of this concept that we're dealing with here of the collaborative nature in the kingdom with God and the co-laboring in the family business. And I, you know, I even use that exact same term, the family business in my book in a number of key areas. And it's a new concept for people. A lot of people believe that you know, you you get saved and then you just get back on the bench and you just sit it out. And there's a few specialists, those special, I call them the three percenters, you know, of the body, body of Christ that somehow inherited all the responsibility for uh, what I call managing your metron or managing the environment God's put you in your area of responsibility. And we abdicate. And so I think that this idea of understanding your role in the family business is so crucial to getting people back in the game, getting them off the bench, like you're saying, and getting the other 97% of the body of Christ activated again into their vocational role, where God's giving them, what terrain God's given them to hold and to occupy and to really make a difference in. So I'm that, so that really resonates with me. And then it, as I saw that you put it into a parable form, um, being that it's a new book, I haven't had a chance to obviously read it yet, but I was really intrigued by that. So tell me why you went the parable route to get this message leveraged. Yeah, Jonathan, for me, from the time I was really little, I remember being drawn to the parables. I've always loved the parables right. and, the way, and the way of Jesus taught through example like that. I think part of the reason is that even as I've gotten older and, and sort of longer in my journey with Jesus, I can come back to the same parables and I learn new things. And oftentimes it's because I'm in a, a different place in my life. My context is different or whatever else. And I have to believe that's one, what's one of the most powerful ways uh, and reasons that Jesus taught in parables. He did not want you know, from time to time, he didn't use parables, right? From time to time, he just told it straight. But oftentimes, by using a parable, he's allowing the listener to connect the dots for ourselves, for us to look at our life in relation to the message he's sharing and to, and to make sure that one and one equal two. And that sticks. When you come to the conclusion for yourself about anything, right? that sticks a whole lot better than when someone just straight up tells you what they want you to know. And so that was a big reason why we decided to go down the road of, of forming this into a parable. Um, and it's, it's truly, it's a short read. Right. It's a great little story. The, the main character is Jesse. He's the father of five adult children. He's getting older in life, and he is the owner and operator of a chain of hardware stores throughout the Midwest of the United States. And as he's getting older, he calls his kids back to the family home for, a, for an evening meal one weekend, and he says, kids, I would like each and every one of you to consider stepping into my family business and stepping into this family business. I want you to take all the skills, the passions, the giftings, everything you have. And I want you to bring it to work for the family business. And so as the book goes on, you see each of the five adult children wrestle with their fears, wrestle with their doubts, wrestle with uncertainty, wrestle with what did, what did dad mean 
Like, don't leave everything behind and come do this. But instead, I'm bringing everything for for the family business. I don't understand all that. And by the end of the book, you see how it resolves and no spoilers, not going to give it away. Okay. <laughs> but it is, um, but it's designed to help people reflect on what is God's family business and what is my role? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to bring everything that he has put inside of me? Every passion, every skill, every gifting, the way he has shaped me for his purposes and bring that as a part of his work in the world to co-labor with God for the mission that he has been on since the dawn of time. Wow. You know, this is a, you know, pretty, pretty unique perspective uh, in a lot of areas in the body of Christ. And was this a traditional perspective that you had early on in your walk with the Lord or when you were younger, or is this something you grew into like gradually, or was it like a moment where you started to really get like a, a revelation of a, of a direction in your thinking or like really lay hold of this? Like, how did that come about in your own life? I think for me, the biggest aha moment was honestly my first sort of real job. Can I say my real job yeah. after university, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you first, you first uh, uh, put on the suit and tie, so to speak, and, and for at least in my case, and head into the office. Um, I was, my very first career uh, was in the public relations sector. And we had a number of clients, amazing clients in this firm that I, that I served with. But there was one project we were working on that something we were doing just felt weird. Hmm. It just felt off to me. And of course I grew up in the church and I had, and I had sort of, uh, especially in college, I had really made my faith my own and really kind of taken ownership over my faith from that point forward. And so here I am, this first real world experience really out there and something's not sitting right. And I mm. couldn't put my finger on it. So the boss calls me in, um, Later on, you know, some weeks down the road and says, Jeff, we love the work you're doing. We'd like to give you a promotion. So-and-so is moving on to this other role. Um, and I said, that's great. I would love that. I love working here. Do you mind if I ask you a cool question about this one account? Because there's something we're doing that seems a little, honestly, it seems a little unethical. But mm. as the new guy, I probably just don't get it. I probably just don't have the full story. Can you tell me what's going on? And so he unpacked it for me and much to my dismay, it was exactly what I thought. Huh. Uh, there was no other backstory. It was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't adding up. And so I told him, I said, I'll tell you what, um, I would, I'm super excited about this job. If you wouldn't mind, I want to take just 24 hours and pray about it because I don't want to make a decision that's going to, you know, uh, come back later on to haunt me, to haunt you. And he said, I'll tell you what, how about if we make Friday your last day? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, there's your answer um, right there, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And fired me on the spot. And uh, I, that was, I think, the shock moment for me when I recognized that if I'm going to try to be a Jesus follower with my whole life, then I'm going to have to make, then it's not going to be easy. And I'm going to have to make strategic choices about where to serve and what, where's the best fit? Where can I be the light of Christ? Where can I use the skills and giftings and passions that God has put in me for his work in the world? Uh, because clearly this first choice, uh, that would have been problematic. That would actually, 
that that was even even the mention of prayer was uh, was a tough thing for my senior supervisor to sure. to get through. So um, that was probably the big turning point for me. And I went on from there later on, became pastor and everything else. But but that was the moment I think that I I'm, I mean I remember going back to my desk and typing typing some job search things into the Yahoo search browser. That was before, <laughs> I mean, that was back when Yahoo was still yeah. probably the primary option for us all. Um, and just saying, okay, God, you, <laughs> it's because of you that I opened my big fat mouth and got myself into this mix. Yeah. Uh, now what? Yeah. And guide me from here. So that was, that was the moment. So it's like, I, what I hear in there is like, you chose alignment with God and with the kingdom and his ways over a, a, a good job and alignment with a corrupt thing that was going on or a misleading thing. And by making the right decision in the moment, you lose kind of thing, but you gain in the long run. And that's, I, I, I see that when people go through that, I've been through a couple of those myself. When you make that tough, that tough decision, you take that tough position to align with the kingdom then you start to be taken seriously as a co-laborer by God is what I've found is that that's the moment God's like, all right, this guy's credible. I can work with this guy. And we start to then see the favor of God unleashed. And we start to see uh, resources and opportunities and trust from our father as we start to align and work together. And he can anticipate our decisions in those contexts. And so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it's such a freeing thing. So I, yeah, kudos for a great lesson learned and a great way to start that journey. <laughs> well, I, man, I wish I could say that I had scripted all that out in advance. Uh, I was, I was shocked yep. uh, to be fired that in that way. Um, I mean, I, I remember the moment immediately afterwards. I, I was like, "Did I hear him right?" And I just sat there in his office, sort of staring at him blankly. Like, yeah, it, maybe it. it I, is he joking? Like I, <laughs> and he was, and then he just said, why don't you head back to your desk? And I went, Oh, okay. Like it just, it took a couple steps to sink in. I, I don't know if I had known what would have happened. Yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to believe that I would have made the choice to, to step out. But at the same time, I mean, this is my first career move. This is the big opportunity. This is a very prestigious firm. I was super excited. But in the end, you're absolutely right. The choice I made to speak up was a step in the direction of co-laboring with God, even in that moment. That's right. So feeling his presence, going back to my little uh, light brown cubicle <laughs> and uh, and just sort of sitting there stewing in my mix of anger and confusion. Um, that was, that was the fodder and the fire that God was using um, to, to get me to a turning point to say, yeah. okay, <laughs> this is it. Which direction are you going from here? Absolutely. And I see what you're sharing here is lining up directly with this statement I read from in your materials and in your uh, write-ups about wanting to see followers of Jesus step into God's work with their full lives to see each individual use their uniqueness for his greatness. I see that in your story, and it's great to see it on paper surrounding this book and what you're trying to communicate here. It's a strong statement. It's really good. I think I think each of us, yeah, using your uniqueness for his greatness, um, 
that's always just stuck with me. There are people in this world. I, I, I have a, a good friend. He's a longtime friend. And this is a bit of an extreme example, but, you know, he's 20 years sober through Alcoholics Anonymous, 20 years sober. Mm. There are people he can reach for the gospel that I can't reach because I, I haven't walked that journey. Part of what God is using in him is the full shape of everything, the way he has been formed and transformed by God over the years, right? And right. so there are people that you can reach that I can't. There are people I can reach that you can't. And so we have to bring our uniqueness to the table because there is somebody in the world that God wants to, who God desperately wants to know just how much he loves them. And our uniqueness can be the trigger that helps them to see just how loved they are by their creator. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it really is the heart of the on mission concept or living all of life on mission or, you know, people talk about your career is your mission. I mean, that's part of the heart of it is that you're bringing a unique designed uh, component to your metron, well, I like to use that term, uh, to your sphere of influence and responsibility that God uniquely gave you and gifted you for. And that does it does reach people. It's expressed in that reaching, in that love, in that space. And so everybody's needed. There's nobody that should be riding this thing out on the bench, so to speak. Everybody should be in the game. Everybody should be in on the mission and not feeling marginalized. And that's what I really love about this, is the family model, uh, on mission concept in everything people are doing. And it lends itself towards a high value of work and vocation, which is really my heart that I see as the original design in God's creation. And so it's really affirming and uh, inspiring to hear what you have to say on this, Jeff. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was a uh, beautiful to see the book come together. It, uh, I mean, I had actually some other, parable ideas. We, I knew the message I wanted to get across, but bringing it together through the eyes uh, of an aging hardware store owner mm -hmm. who he just, he just wants his kids to, to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And I've, and I, I just feel like at such a root level, our, that's, that's the call of our heavenly father. He's like, you're all my kids. I want, I want everybody in. I want you to do what I what I what I'm about. I want you to be about what I'm about. I want your heart to break for what breaks my heart. Right. And we just we just need to uh, be able to figure out how do I fully surrender everything that I have uh, for His work in the world. My my work life, my work time, my family time, my personal. I mean, there is no vacation time. Right. Uh, in the uh, in in the in the mission of God, right? I mean, we <laughs> that was that was part of the other uh, one of the other pieces of language that came out of the research that just can that can seemingly confuse people. People sometimes hear the term mission field as if there's places we're supposed to live on as part of God's mission and places where we don't. Right. And you go, well, that's not what we're trying to say when we say mission field. We're trying to talk about your where you are right now. It doesn't mean that at some point you go and take a vacation from being a part of God's mission. That doesn't happen. There's right. no such thing as a part-time Christian. So <laughs> this is this is all part of the the learning, some of the research, and ultimately what we're trying to do inside this book to inspire more Jesus followers to just step into the life you were made for. Yeah, amen to that. So that is Jeff's new book, The Family Business. 
And that book will be available for those that are joining us in person at the upcoming Discover Global Conference on December 4th. And regarding that conference, those of you listening, don't forget to register soon, either to join us in person or watch online at discoverglobal.us. So thanks, Jeff, for all of this. This has been really valuable. Appreciate your time and really pray God's blessing on your book and on the message. Thanks so much, brother. Blessings to you. I'm looking forward to this conference, so super excited. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.